Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the Cabragal clan of the Darug Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land we are meeting on today. We also pay our respects to the elders, both past and present and future of the Darug Nation. But there are definitely people out there who feel like they don't have hobbies. Yeah. Or they don't know what their thing is. And then there's that pressure to like define, what do you like doing outside of work? I think I know yes. people who get quite stressed because they don't know what their hobby is. Hi friends, welcome to our podcast, A Seat at Our Table. Candid conversations about the creative pursuits of Asian Australians. I'm Tracy. I'm Wendy. We, we saved you a seat. seat. Come, Come join us. us. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast, episode eight of season three. Welcome. In this episode, we're going to talk about nourishing our creative selves and discovering our hobbies as adults. But before we get into it, let's catch up. Wendy and I actually haven't catched catch up in a while, so yeah. you'll be hearing this live. Yeah. Because I've been in Japan for the so last exciting. three and a half weeks. Actually, three weeks and two days. How do you feel? How um, does it feel to be back? I'm exhausted. <laughs> what from? Like just traveling or just transitioning from? Well, I've been back for a week and a half now. Time flies. Yeah. And we've been traveling just nonstop for the last three and a half weeks. So mm. I think it's just been like a combination of sleep deprivation, physical exhaustion. And then yeah. also we had an overnight flight back. Yeah, that's always really So crap. we were traveling for like almost 24 hours. We did like six hours to Singapore, five hours layover, and then another like five hours to Sydney. Yeah, that's rough. Um, And I think just being away for like three, a bit over three weeks in a different time zone. Like I think we were really synced into the Japan time zone. Mm. So I think coming back, I wish I took that whole week off work because I went, I didn't go straight into work. I took one day off work, which I slept to like 2 p.m. that day. And then, <laughs> Isn't the time difference like two hours? But Yeah, I know. That, I didn't think it would hit me that much, but I was just exhausted. Yeah. I think also sleep deprivation because mm. we were traveling so much. Um, So coming back, it was a bit disorientating because yeah. I was like, I'm so tired all the time. I was like a zombie at work. Yeah. When on my first two days, like, I'm so tired. I, I think it's nap. just like when you're traveling the adrenaline just keeps you going yeah and then now you're finally being like able to catch up on sleep and your body's catching up to just i guess your normal routine again yeah Yeah. exactly i'm sure you've been asked this question a lot but what was kind of your favorite moment um my favorite moment oh my god actually so much happened i I always say the art islands was my one of my favorite arc like the favorite part of one of the favorite parts of the trip yeah. like i think some of my favorites was like if you guys don't know there's two or oh, there's a set of islands in japan called naoshima teshima and they've got i guess art museums on them and contemporary art museums on them people go there just to see art so they're called the art islands and why it was so fun was because we rented electric bikes and we we're able to like ride around the islands and up these hills and like it was just so beautiful we felt like yeah. we we're in an anime or like a japanese movie yeah like going into nature and then like making pit stops at like art museums and the art museums are like the best like yeah. i think it really helps because they do no phone policy so when you oh. go in you're like fully present Okay. Yeah. So we were able to like really enjoy and immerse ourselves in the art, and they were all very like experiential as well. Yeah. Um, like the whole island seems very immersive, right? Yeah. There's just, there's just this vibe. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably my favorite, one of my favorites parts, like going to the art islands. Um, and we stayed in a hostel, which I didn't think much of. We we're like, YOLO, let's stay in a hostel and see what it's like. It was actually the nicest hostel I've ever been to, and it's still like 
after doing the whole trip, one of the best accommodations we stayed in. Oh, really? Were yeah. you guys like separate or sharing like bunks with other people? We happened to get, so we all got separate rooms. It's just a, like a divider door that you oh, get, like okay. your own cubicle basically. Oh, cool. But we happened because there was four of us that went to the art islands. We got our own dorm. Oh, okay. And nice. with the four separate rooms. <laughs> so we were like together yeah. in one big room, but had our own rooms. And it was so clean. And they gave like, Free bottles of water. There was free ice cream in the fridge. They even gave us an onsen pass to the onsen down the road. Oh, how good. I know. With wow. a free soft drink and everything like that. And it was, like, so clean and, like, so quiet. Yeah. And, like, we loved it. It was the best thing I got all trip because I was <laughs> by myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, our islands. And then next one, like, Fuji was really good as well. We stayed in a, um, is it Riken? Riken, Yeah. Yeah. And you we got like the traditional experience where you sleep on the the, the, tummy. the tummies yeah. and then you sleep like we got dinner you know like the kaseki type dinner yeah. and then in your room like private in a room yeah there. we got a private room and then we rented a car which was really fun and then rode around drove around um, Mount Fuji and just saw like Mount Fuji from all these different views so um, renting a car in Mount Fuji was a really good call yeah yeah I wish I did that yeah it was yeah. it was like so worth it yeah like. It just felt like so cool to be right driving a car <laughs> with views of like Mount Fuji and like being able to go anywhere and just like being able to eat in the car is quite good too. Yeah. So you know in Japan you can't really like you can't eat and walk. Yeah, you have to eat like outside like the convenience. You have to stay store, still example, to eat, yeah. right? You can't eat when you're traveling. So having a car actually was quite helpful because you could eat oh, while you're So walked. good. But yeah, some of my highlights I would say. But the whole yeah. trip was so good. Maybe we'll do a little dump of like your key moments yeah. for our listeners because I know our listeners are like probably really big travelers like us and everyone's going to Japan yes yeah, exactly. or everyone's gone to Japan or are in Japan or are yeah. going to Japan yeah we could do like a photo dump or something like that and some recommendations and some recommendations yeah but hear me up guys because we had a full-on itinerary in fact that was like 42 pages long <laughs> <laughs> but shit. it wasn't it wasn't like I've had like two people three people asked for my itinerary now yeah. and I've gone itinerary is a mess because it's like imagine university group work <laughs> google docs and everyone's just putting all their ideas on one group and nobody's gone in and consolidated it which is why our google doc is like 42 pages long so how did you end up using it they were just like dumped there but like some days we didn't actually follow it it was just like right. the night before we would determine what we would do yeah but, but you just looked at it as a guide yeah as a guide because everyone's yeah. non-negotiables were in there but we didn't fully plan it out but anyways it's a bit of a mess but yeah um but that's my life update i guess i've just been in japan and now i'm like super sad like normally i i go overseas and i'm ready to come home but i'm i was genuinely like not ready to come home i could have that done i could have done an extra three yeah. weeks yeah i think it's just, that's just the japan effect don't you think yeah but i feel like last time i went i was ready to go home as well maybe also it's your first trip post-covid right yeah maybe that might be it yeah i went home and started looking at flights back to japan in the christmas Christmas period there's like three grand to get back there it's not it's not it's not not worth it um (laughs) um, but yeah um what have you been up to well big news i think most of the people in my life know about this but biggest change in my life recently we got a dog we got a little puppy. Um, we got a mini Dachshund, and he is currently, at the time of this recording, nine weeks old. Wow. Yeah. It's like mo- I'm practicing for motherhood. Like, no joke. When I got him on the first day, yeah. I have to say, I feel like I was experiencing, this sounds really dramatic, but postnatal depression, yeah. where I was like, oh, my God, can I, like, give him the life that he deserves? <laughs> like, should we have gotten him? Like, do we? Ha- like, can we handle this responsibility? Because, yeah. like, you know, my partner and I were quite like social people. We like to just be able to go out. And now it's like you got to consider 
who's going to look after like the dog mm-hmm. if we go out mm-hmm. and we're going to negotiate and all that kind of stuff. So it was like a very intense two days last weekend when we got him, but he, in just a week he's actually learnt and picked up so much. So cute, yeah. Um, I think the biggest stress for me was potty training. I was like, I don't want him to pee and poo in my rug. Yeah. <laughs> my, my Did you pass your rug away? No, I've like yeah, kept okay. it out. He's not teething yet. Yeah. Like he's still biting stuff, but he's still got his baby teeth. So yeah. he can't actually make that much damage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was thinking like, oh, do I just pack it away, you know, for the sake of this? Um, And we've got like a sofa cover and everything now. So we've probably proved the house as <laughs> yeah. much as we can. But I'm so proud of him for making so much progress. Yeah. Um, But what's yeah. the first week been like? Like learn anything new or like? Well, like we had like no sleep on the first couple of yeah, days. Yeah, wow. He whines like in the middle of the night sometimes so that we can wake up and take him out to pee or it's poo. Like actually having a baby. Yeah, it's like actually having a yeah. baby. Yeah. I've got like a doggy cam to make sure like I can see at all times what he's doing. Yeah. He's, you know, type A personality. Yeah. I need to know at all times. But I guess the biggest learning has been my partner has a very different style of like, I guess caring for the dog than mm. I do for me I was like reading up on a lot of articles on how to provide the best care and it's not the first time I've had a dog but I think it's the first time I've had a dog inside like an apartment right yeah so there's a lot more I guess boundaries that you got to set and I was like planning everything creating like a checklist of all the things that we need to buy and he was like very chill about it mm. and I think the stress got to me a little bit and also coupled with like lack of sleep yeah I was very overwhelmed with like just this because you felt like you're carrying the weight yeah, yeah. or because you're worrying about all these other things and he was chill both. about it maybe? Yeah, yeah, both. Um, So I think we had to kind of come together and like figure out what was the best way to approach the situation mm. Um, so that we can't, aren't, kind of aren't like butting heads about yeah. like how to raise dog and everything. Yeah. And also with like puppies, you got to be really consistent with like the way that you talk to them, their routine. Yeah. So if one of us is not doing it, the way that the other person yeah. is doing it, then you're undoing all the training. Mm. But that was like the biggest learning curve. I think it's like, like I, we were arguing, but I think it was needed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To so ne- to actually come to a good solution. Yeah. You need to argue yeah. About it. Yeah. And like I've asked other people who've recently got puppies yeah. as well, um, in the last like couple of years, and they all said that they went through the same thing. Wow. Like the postnatal depression feelings, <laughs> the the arguing with their partner, like it's all very normal. So wow. I think it's, it was reassuring to hear that because I was like, you're not the only ones going through. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say that I was regretting my decision, but I was questioning yeah. everything. Yeah. Wow. Like it's a, literally a taste of motherhood. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Cute. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the episode. Yeah. So we got a suggestion in our suggestion box on our website uh, to talk about the growth of millennials going to craft classes and how it helps us with our mental health and creative self. This has inspired us to spend today's episode talking about how, how we nourish our creative selves and how we find hobbies in adulthood. Just a quick reminder, there is a suggestion box on our website, so please let us know if you have any topics or feedback. And as uh, today's episode is an example, we incorporate it where we can yeah well, and thank you for whoever submitted that i don't know it was anonymous yeah we don't have a name yeah we thing. don't um but reach out and let us know if you you were the one who suggested this topic because it was yeah. re- a really good topic and if you are a loyal long-term follower you'd know that we haven't really kind of done one episode about cultivating creative confidence in the family of things i would like to see this is like almost like a part two or an extension of that like definitely listen to that episode that was kind of one of my mm-hmm. favorites it's a little bit different i was talking about that episode i think in season one 
Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> season one, season two. Go back to on our you know podcast page. Yeah. It's called Cultivating Creative Confidence. We talked about how we kind of went through the personal journey of finding our creativity and whether the question of you know, are you born creative or do you learn to be creative? Mm. Can anyone be creative? Like we talked about that a lot during that episode, but this time around, we're just going to talk about, I guess, how we continue to nourish our creative selves now that we're into adulthood. So definitely listen to that episode as well. Yeah. Also, if you stay tuned to the very end of this episode, we have a very special gift and offer for you all. And it's very relevant to the topic today as well. So stay tuned to the end. So let's get into it. To start off, when do you feel most creative? I think I feel most creative when I'm actually like absorbing inspiration or when I'm looking at inspiration. I tend to feel most creative when I'm like traveling and Mm. then I see really cool things or I go into concept stores or go into design stores or bookstores and I see really like cool things that resonate with me and then that kind of sparks me going, oh, I could do this, I could do that. Like yeah. if I see a cool painting or a drawing style, I'm like, oh, maybe I should go home and try mm. that. Or when I'm researching on reading blogs or things like that or watching YouTube videos, I feel the most creative when I'm ideating yeah. what to do. Yeah, I think that's Ooh, that's my – yeah, that. how about you? I actually had a very different answer. Yeah. And I actually found this really hard to mm. answer. I think it's also because like creativity is almost like an extension of like my body when it comes to just like – me as a human being because of the work that I do yeah. and the industry that I'm in. So I feel like in a work sense, it almost feels like it's forced creativity. Yes. And I say that with like quotation marks because my work obviously has a very clear brief on what I need to do. And nine to five, Monday to Friday, I know that that is the time and the place to mm. be creative. And so I think that is how I feel 24-7 a lot of the time. Yeah. So I think I'm like constantly engaging with creativity, but also when I'm engaging in activities that kind of are more like on the arts and craft side of things. So like making with your hands or creating something like physical. And I think this is more like creative, like play yeah. is how I would categorize it. I guess there's like no pressure for me to meet a brief. Yeah. And I guess some some examples of that is like, you know, like painting, drawing, all that kind of stuff that I've done in the past couple of years. But there's no real agenda to it. Yeah. It's just I want to kind of like be away from screens and just practice like stream of consciousness, but in a more creative way. Yeah. I guess because you're a designer, have in your, like you said, forced to be or in a situation where you have to be creative all the time during mm. work. Has that changed your relationship with creativity? Because I work in the creative industry, but I don't I am not a creative myself yeah. in, in a work sense. Mm. So I don't do the output work. So yeah. I'm not forced to like every day be on mm. so creativity for me is like a personal thing as in like doing arts and crafts and like doing my own personal projects that's a personal thing so I feel like it's still a hobby if that makes sense yeah. but for you your hobby has almost become your work yes. so has it changed the way your relationship is with creativity yeah kind of I feel like I don't feel the pressure to engage with creative activities outside of work yeah exactly yeah um but I think like you I do still seek kind of moments or like engagements where I do kind of feel inspired Mm. or kind of come out of it feeling like oh I've got some creative ideas to apply yeah and whether I apply that in my like day-to-day life or in work I guess I see creativity as more of like a business in a business sense yes um and because I'm almost like using all my creative juices in work yeah I don't feel the pressure to 
use or I don't feel do the more. need or want to do more in my outside of work. Yeah, that's life. so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I yeah, because I talk to people who like work in the art space or like who are creatives at work where their hobby has become their business. And then then there's an identity crisis because it's like, then what's my hobby outside mm. of my work? Now that my hobby is my work, what do I do when I'm not working? I think yeah. that you just go and find other hobbies. Yeah. It sounds like so basic. Or you rest, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I have looked into other avenues yeah. now to fulfill like creative play. Mm, okay. So yes. I think that's like a very important distinction. Like creativity in work is so different to like just creative play. And I guess how has your creative self or new engagement creativity changed from childhood to now? It's obviously changed a lot because it's now a career for me. Mm. Um, I have like just vivid memories of like my childhood, just drawing or asking my parents to buy me like textures or like, you know, those Spyrax sketchbooks that you used to get, the the one with the yellow cover. Yeah. Yeah. I used to like get those in A3 size and just draw. Did you used to have like the gigantic art sets where it's like black? plastic and oh, you, yeah, with the like, button the yeah. button snaps and you yeah. open it up and there's like a set of textures a set of yeah. like paints, paints a set yeah. of like color pencils like those used to be the best i think they were such bad quality but yeah like- i was gonna say they're so <laughs> shit but it's like it makes you feel like an artist yeah. yeah like i definitely had like you know a suite of tools or things that i did but i think my definition of creativity when i was a kid was always like oh i was just drawing art. or painting like it was just art you know arts and crafts but i think when um, I started studying it or as I've grown older, I've come to understand that there's like so many facets to creativity. Like it's not just about those hard skills, being able to like illustrate or being able to paint something really nice. It's more so having, yeah, having that mindset to be able to come at a problem from different angle or have like a lot of different ideas or just think about the alternate possibilities Mm. to a problem. And I think that is what defines creativity yes. for me now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm the same in terms of my definition has changed. Like you, creativity used to be arts and craft. Mm. Now it's problem solving in novel ways or thinking about something in a different way. But I guess where I like to spend a lot of my creative time, my personal time when I'm having like creative time, that's still, I guess, arts and craft for me because that's what I love doing. Mm. So it's stuff like painting and drawing and things like that. But I definitely had a lot more time as a child than now. So I think that's probably the biggest change because I literally spent all my childhood doing creative things. Painting, I did art classes. You know, like when Tumblr was a thing, like taking Tumblr-like photos. Photos. (laughs) (laughs) Or putting it on your blog. Or collaging, like, you know, there's letters, you make letters. Or like even like designing your room, like the posters. Oh my God, yeah. For magazines, like putting up things on your room and designing your wall. and Interior design. Interior design. (laughs) And I even did like paper fashion design i did origami like even things like doing dance routines with my sisters yeah. and cousins like i honestly felt like i spent all my childhood playing and being creative yeah and that's something that has like not obviously now you're older you don't have all the time mm. to be creative so that's one thing i kind of missed from childhood is just having like undisturbed time to just, to just like play. be just to play yeah. yeah yeah i think at one point i like tried to make my own magazine Oh, yeah. I think I still have it. Oh, my God. Like, I should totally pull it out and show it. Yeah. I think it was called Too Cool for School. But school, <laughs> school was... School is School was spelled... No, school was spelled S-C-O-L. I think maybe it was just school. me not being able to spell. Too school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But do you... And also things like profile books. Did you used to profile oh books in God. school? 
I don't know. Does anyone know what a profile pic is? But like, but in primary school, people used to get those exercise books and then like cover it with paper and then draw a beautiful cover and then like you pass it around to all your friends and they write their profile they write their profile like your name your favorite food <laughs> and, and it's like gel pens and gel stuff. pens and you like put stickers and you yeah. share stickers with each other and like cards and stuff like that oh. and you see it passed around your class and damn like, i really profile. wish i kept those I still have mine. Oh my god! Yeah, I still have out? them. Yeah, and that <laughs> was another form of being creative. Yeah, or like you know, school title pages. Oh, I love those. Yeah, so in yeah. in all of your like um subjects, you would create like a a title page for like your math book, for example. Yeah. <laughs> and like I used to put so much effort into it to make it look like pretty. Isn't it the question of what color is your math book? What color is your math book? What do you mean? Like, you know how there's exercise books, there's, like, blue, oh, yeah, orange, orange, red. Like, what is math and what is English? For me, math is, is blue. Oh, no, English is blue for me. I think I always bought the same ones from Officeworks. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're all the same colour. Yeah. But I use, um like, contact contact sheets. Yes. To make it look different. Yeah. 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 Oh, memes. What a tangent, but... <laughs> anyways, anyways, so what are your current hobbies now and how did you discover them? Um, okay, so this is an interesting question because I I kind of categorize hobbies in a couple of ways. Okay. So there's like creative hobbies. Okay. So like making, like you're making something. Yes. And then there's uh like sporting hobbies. <laughs> okay. okay. So I think making hobbies, my current ones are pottery and from time to time, because I did a floristry course earlier this year. Sometimes I go to flower markets and just buy yep. flowers and do arrangements. And then for sports, it'd be like volleyball mm-hmm. at the moment, but previously like netball as well, yep. for example. So I define those as hobbies. It's like something that I have chosen to invest my time into mm-hmm. and kind of am seeking to either build a skill out of it or making something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. how did you discover them? Volleyball was just because everyone else was doing yeah. it, like our friends were doing it. Yeah. Um, but I've also be- always been a fan of playing sports. Like yeah. I think it's a really good way to kind of like I feel like you've always touch. been athletic as well. Yeah. Like I think sports has been a very big part of my life, even just from like primary school. Is it from now. Ch- a childhood thing or how how did you get into sports? I actually don't even know. Yeah. Like I've always played netball and basketball throughout all of primary school and mm. high school. And then I think it was a really good way to keep in touch with friends from high school after high school. And pottery was just something that my sister did and I was kind of like always interested in learning and I've kind of just stuck with it since the beginning of this year. I don't know where I'm going with it, but I also feel like I don't need to know. Like as long as I'm just making something, enjoying the process, I think that's enough. Like in, yeah, just enjoyment I think is yeah. enough. Yeah. And then floristry was also another thing that I was always interested in, but I think I came at that with more of a like a business lens, like if I was to retire, what kind of job would I want to have? <laughs> She's foolproofing her future right now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it was just something that I invested money and time into at the beginning of this year, and I want to kind of just keep practicing. Yeah. I like what you said, actually, about you don't know where you're going with pottery, but you're enjoying it. I think that's kind of what hobbies are. Like, you're not doing it for a specific goal. Well, generally, I think you're not t- doing your hobbies for a goal. You're kind of just doing it for enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. But there's one thing that... Like, is it an ick? Maybe it's an ick. But I think when people pick up hobbies, the narrative nowadays is always like, oh, are you going to make a business Oh, yeah, you're so right. And I I hate that. Like, I think 
commoditizing I, your hobbies. Yeah. yeah. So during COVID, I like picked up jewelry making and then that became like a small business venture just for fun, right? But I looking back at it now, I was just thinking, like, what if I didn't turn it into a business? Would I still be doing it now? Yeah. Would I kind of enjoy it a lot more? So I just start making for other people rather than yourself. Yeah, exactly. But I don't, I feel like not everything has to be a business. Like not every hobby has to turn into a thing, but I feel like that's the story that people tell nowadays. True. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it started as a hobby and now it's a business. Yeah. Like even yeah. with my sewing, people always ask, are you mm. going to sell your clothes? Like, are you going to turn into a business? I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just takes the enjoyment out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What are your current hobbies? Um, I have a lot of hobbies, but I'm not. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm not. I feel like I'm not investing the amount of time that I want to in my hobbies. But sewing, I would say, is one. But it's kind of not. Is it dead? It's kind of dead. Is it dead? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I want to admit that, but like, it's welcome kind of... to Tracy's internal dialogue. Is it dead? I don't know. I literally think about sewing all the time, but I haven't yeah. sewed since February. Why not? I I honestly think because the podcast has taken up all my free time. <laughs> another hobby guys i was like is, is the podcast a hobby or like what what is it now i think you know? the podcast is a hobby. that's a good question i think the podcast is a hobby yeah 100%. but but now it's kind of no is it a side hustle i don't know look it kind of feels like it is a side hustle but we're not making like money from it you know what i mean yeah like, is, that, is that what defines someone wants to sponsor us i would love to turn it into a money making machine <laughs> um yeah but i would say that i would tell people that podcasting is a hobby yeah I mean, it's both a side hustle and a hobby yeah, so, I guess so because it's what you do in your spare time. It, what you yeah. do in your spare time, and we do it out of enjoyment. So honestly, I was sewing during all my spare time a while ago during lockdown, and then the podcast started taking it off, and honestly, it's taking up my time. <laughs> that's, my that's the truth. Like I think it's just like my I want to prioritize the podcast over sewing. So I really do want to sew again, but yeah. I just haven't found the time. I think maybe because sewing is more of a you need hours to yeah. dedicate to it. Your hand just like pick it up. I guess yeah. I can, but like. I used to spend like a whole Sunday sewing, for example. Mm. And at the moment, I haven't had whole Sundays free. Yeah. So this is literally <laughs> a crisis that's going into my head at the moment. Look, let's just say <laughs> it's not dead. It's on the back burner. It's on the back burner. Yeah. And actually, let's talk about this because I think it's also similar to... Because when I started my Instagram page, Trace Makes, for sewing, yeah, I felt pressure to actually sew more because I just started getting a following yeah. out of sewing that I never thought I would. Like, my page has, like, 1.6K followers, and mm. it's dead at the moment. And, like, the longest time I was like, oh, my God, my followers. <laughs> <laughs> They're waiting for things from me. They're waiting for me to sew new things. I'm a sew-fluencer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that kind of added pressure, and maybe yeah. that, like, also not turned me off it, but it took a little bit of the energy away from mm. it because I was like, oh, I just want to, like, rediscovering sewing for just me. Yeah. Rather than sewing what I think is trending and mm. what would get likes on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so that's a big tangent. But <laughs> currently, I would say sewing is... I still would say it's one of my hobbies. Yeah. But I haven't been putting as much time into it. Um, I really like drawing. I do spend time doodling quite a bit when I'm journaling. I have so many hobbies. Film photography, <laughs> I like to do. I do it generally when I'm traveling, reading, obviously sports. And then I also put, like, yeah, podcasting is a hobby. But yeah, a lot of my discovery of these hobbies came from childhood or like high school. So childhood, like painting, drawing, all the arts and craft stuff, I've always done as a child. Mm. I don't know where that's come from. I think maybe my family in general is quite hands-on. I love hands-on stuff is what I've realized. Like, yeah. 
origami, folding things, cutting things, wrapping paper. Like I just like yeah. touching things and like making things with my hands. So I think it's just I'm a tactile person. Yeah. So it just came from like personal interests. Um, sewing came from high school. We just learned it in school and it's another tactile thing. And then obviously podcasting and things came from lockdown, having mm. the time to actually discover those things. But yeah, that's my current list. There are so many hobbies out there. And I guess like there's like decision paralysis. I'm like, what do I focus on next? Literally. You know? So how did you kind of settle on these? <laughs> many, <yeah. laughs> like how did you prioritize those as things that you kind of want to continue investing time in? Mm. I think I just trialed and errored. I'm somebody who's really interested in a lot of things. So I always like spend a bit of time to like explore that thing and then go, do I like it enough to um, continue it? I think it's just like instinct thing. Mm. Like you just do it a few times. If you like it, you continue. If you don't, you don't like things like embroidery. I tried once and I was like, nah, not for me. So I embroidered a few things and then that was it. Knitting, same. Like I just felt like you just try it and that's how you find your thing. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I think that's a really good point. I'm I'm the same in the sense that I feel like you can't really understand if you enjoy something unless you try it, you invest time in it. I think that's the biggest thing. Like something that you're willing to invest time in or put aside time in your like busy schedules yeah. to do um, the thing. And also another thing that I've realized in my adulthood is putting money towards it. Yeah. So I'm very big on like doing courses because I feel like that inherently just forces you to kind of commit to it and I think like pottery is a really good example I think if I like tried to do it DIY at home like got my own wheel and everything like that I think I would have given up on that really really quickly whereas like when you pay for classes there's like a commitment that you have to make and you're like almost like forced to just make time for it yeah when I moved out I made more of a I guess conscious choice to try and put money towards things that I knew I've always wanted to try which is how pottery and floristry came along I guess it's like an investment in myself Mm -hmm. and it's also time away from like the screen or time away from like doing housework, you know? So yeah, I think like investing in myself has been really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like some people like really struggle to find their thing. Yeah. I feel like for me and you, it's quite natural. Like I think it's, I don't know. We just know what we like doing, Yeah. but there are definitely people out there who feel like they don't have hobbies yeah or they don't know what the thing is and then there's that pressure to like define what do you like doing outside of work I think I know people who get quite stressed because they don't know what their hobby is Mm. and wondering like what type of advice do you have for people to find their thing I don't know like for me it's like literally just trial and error but some people like uh, they're just like, I don't know, like what I'm interested in. <laughs> How do you help those people? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a strange thing because I can't relate to that at all. Like I feel like we're, we're such big hobbyists. Yeah. yeah. We've always had so many hobbies. We've always kind of had something to, to fill our spare time. Um, and it might also be a symptom of like we're just, we just like being busy. Mm, and true. I feel like some people that I know that don't have very strong hobbies, they're just like happy to be at home. And, and just, just watch Netflix. Chill, watch Netflix right? Or keep their life very, very simple. So I feel like it's not a bad thing no. if you don't have a hobby. But I would say when I'm pick, trying to pick a hobby, there's like a couple of things that I look for. The first is like, if I was to spend like 500 bucks on something, what would I want to spend that on? And the second is like, what kind of skill would I get out of it? So I'm always looking to learn or pick up something out of it, whether that's like a tangible skill, like a making skill or like 
uh, like hard knowledge, that's the other part. And I think I always gravitate to things that will um, take me out of like my day to day. Yes, that's a good and, one. And um, take me out of like my normal environment, yeah. I would say, and kind of challenge me a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Because I think then that builds towards like other facets in your life. Yeah. And could potentially help like improve, I don't know, your mental health, well being and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think I agree on that point. I think like for me, it's like my priority is having fun. So mm. it's like finding things that I can have fun with and then I lose a sense of time. You know, yeah, when you're doing something, you just forget so what time it is. Mm. Like it feels like you're playing, it feels like you're present. That's an indication for me that I'm really enjoying myself. Yeah. So I think when you're experimenting, like when you lose a sense of time or you're just like, having so much fun that's a like maybe an indication that that could be your thing yeah and you can't you can start investing time and like getting better at it and things like that but i did like research in the forums and blogs and stuff like that a couple of tips that people have for people to find their thing is first i guess evaluate how much time you have and see what type of hobbies fit in that time so if you like only have a chunk of time every week then like obviously not doing something so time yeah. consuming because it might be a unrealistic goal um consider what you already like to do so like consider your day-to-day life and like maybe what type of things you enjoy mm. like even if it's even if it's netflix right if you really enjoy netflix could film be your thing I yeah don't know. yeah Mo- there's like movie enthusiasts, yeah, movie right? enthusiasts. yeah could, like that could film reviews yeah you know, things like that or if you really like cooking that's a thing too like yeah. you can invest time into getting better at it mm. or i recently when i was in japan we met up with a friend's friend and he has really interesting hobbies he like collects stamps oh cool yeah he's like yeah. a stamp collector and he's like telling us how he finds like really rare stamps so it's like apparently things like during the war time stamps during that time goes sales were really high yeah. so it's like going to thrift shops and like finding stamps and also i think he said like cleaning did he say like polishing yeah he said polishing things <laughs> hopefully i didn't get that wrong i think he's like like Wait, what do you mean like polishing? finding old antique stuff and then like and then restoring, restoring it, it and Ooh, polishing wow, it that's yeah really cool. so there's even like just super obscure things that you could do you know yeah. but you have to try it and then another tip that i thought was really good is reflect on your favorite childhood activities mm. i think that's anyone can do that it's very yeah. accessible like think about when you were young as a child what activities did you gravitate towards and what did you like doing that could be a clue to what potentially you could still enjoy in adulthood yeah so yeah and then also thinking what is missing in your life like for you certain skills that you want to develop maybe you can look at those things but there's so much you can do like even board games is a hobby like there's gaming esports is one yeah yeah what else is there gardening gardening yeah as i get older yeah i see sense in that (laughs) (laughs) at one point i went through like a bonsai phase yeah yeah but like you know like hobbies can come and go so quickly and like i feel like they're, the thing about hobbies that's nice is there's no time pressure mm-hmm. to it, right? And I feel like what you said about losing yourself in it feels really nice because there's also no, like, social pressure around it. Though I think sometimes hobbies come as a result of trends as well. Mm, yes. Especially during lockdown. Yes. I think a lot of people picked up baking. certain trends. Yeah, baking, <laughs> making pasta. Yeah, so I think, like, hobbies – based on what you internally kind of gravitate towards is quite different to what, like, oh, what is everyone else doing? I just want to jump on the bandwagon. So is it okay to not have a hobby? I think so. I mean, it's a funny situation because I currently teach at UNSW and I teach, like, second and third year students about UX. And one of my first questions to them for an icebreaker was, like, what do you do in your spare time? And, like, 
five students, I think, like a handful of students were like, I don't have any hobbies. And then I think the thing that I said to them was like, yeah, I need to go find some hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> but I realize now that like not everyone needs to have a hobby. Yeah. Well, I feel like everyone does have a hobby. It's just different degrees of hmm. hobbying, you know, yeah. like some people put a lot of time into it. Like for me, I do pottery every single Monday yeah. and it's a very prevalent hobby. Whereas some people might just like, you know, if you, they watch Netflix or like occasionally collect uh, board games or like occasionally go to escape rooms. I would say that I do the escape rooms and I just do that occasionally, but yeah. not often. But yeah. I still define that as a hobby. Yeah. So I think maybe people feel the pressure that a hobby needs to be something that you do consistently. True. But it doesn't need to be. It could be just what you do out of interest, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But like yeah. if someone was to give you a free day, what would you do with that? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good yeah. prompt. Yeah, what yeah. would you do? Like, what would you want to do? Yeah, but I have people at work too. When I tell them about all my hobbies, like, wow, you have so many hobbies. We, I have no hobbies. Like, yeah. then it's like I'm just, I just, yeah, I just watch Netflix at home. I have no. It's like hobbies. very ordinary. Yeah, hobbies, right? which is, I guess, is it's okay. Yeah, I think it's okay not to have a hobby. Um, I think it's a mindset or a way of looking. Like, I'm sure even going to the gym is a hobby. Yeah, exactly. Like working out, like what you spend your time doing. Yeah. yeah. So. I think it's okay, but I do but I do acknowledge that there is a societal pressure to have a hobby. Yes, 100%. Because people ask, what do you do in your spare time all the time? Yeah, or like, like it's such a conversation like, an expectation starter. that you're yeah. going to do something cool, you know? Yeah. And then maybe if you don't have a cool hobby to tell people, you might feel like... You're, you're such a boring I'm person, so boring. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people always go, I'm so boring, I have no hobbies. I was like, you're yeah. not boring, you know? You do, like... You don't I need to have a just, hobby to be not boring. <laughs> just need to own, like, what you enjoy doing. Yeah. I don't think it's like, I think labeling it as a hobby makes people feel pressured yeah. to have to have something. Yeah. But it's just like, what do you just enjoy doing? Yeah. On your weekends. Some you people know? don't even know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So I actually think that like, because we're such busy people, like on the flip side of these people who don't have hobbies, right? I think we kind of fill up our time too much with too many hobbies and then could lead to burnout. I'm like facing that right now. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like I think, so... If I kind of just read out my schedule, right? Like, you guys are really getting to know me now. But Mondays, I've got pottery. Tuesday's a free day. Wednesday, I teach at UNSW. Then Thursday, I was playing volleyball. And then Friday was chill. And then Saturday, sometimes play volleyball. And I feel like that was like, oh, and I also freelance. So that was filling up all my time. And I feel like I just filled up all my plate, my whole plate with all this stuff. And it was kind of like, okay, if I was to get rid of some things, like, the things that I would probably get rid of are the things that are optional, right? Like it's either pottery or it's either volleyball. But I really enjoy doing those yeah. things. But it's just, so it's just like, okay, so how do I balance like choosing hobbies over things that are like, I guess like I'm earning earning money from it. Mm-hmm. Like you're uh, teaching at UNSW and a salary. And I feel like my hobbies, from that I realised that my hobbies are really important to keep me sane. Yeah. But then there's also a thing around like just having too many hobbies that so, you just get overwhelmed. How do you deal with that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> So this is like in the moment I'm experiencing this right yeah. now where I think I just need to commit to like one hobby yeah, and not kind of like try and do too much yeah. and feel every single minute or second of my day. Yeah. So I think I can learn from the people who don't have like a very big hobby. True. That maybe just living quite an ordinary life is good. Yeah. But now that you're, so you are you in the current state of burnout at the moment? Yes, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm identifying the symptoms yeah. and I I believe the signs are telling me. And that does I'm that take out. joy out of your hobbies because you're burnt out? Like, do you, yeah. dread, do you dread going to pottery and like sports and things like that? Last week, I actually had to take like a week off mm. from going to pottery because I was just so exhausted. Yeah. 
A, because I was feeling unwell, but then B, also because I was just lacking sleep from the dog. And so I was just like, sometimes you just need a break from your hobbies just to do absolutely nothing, you know? So that was me in my kind of like potato state last week. Yeah. 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 I was just like, I'm just exhausted. And these are the things that I do for enjoyment, but sometimes you need a break from that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's a good learning. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like very stressed thinking about it in terms of <laughs> well, there's the so many things I want to do yeah. but there's not enough time like I literally want to do everything you know yeah. and when I get into hobbies as well I want to do well in them maybe it's a perfectionist thing as well mm. like we do volleyball and that's one of the hobbies and I want to get good in it but in order to get good in it I have to invest like three days a week yeah. to play volleyball but then that takes away my time to do things like sewing or to do things like painting and drawing. Like, when do I get the time to do that? Like, <laughs> and now have to exercise on top of that yeah, and go to the gym. Exactly. I don't have any time for the gym now. And it's it's quite sad. And it's like, oh, I want to learn to cook. Like, when do I get to do that? Or like yeah. hanging out with people. Or And then you have the podcast. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, I actually didn't even say the podcast on top of all the other things yeah. that I had. Like, it just, I think there needs to be a level of prioritization. Like, yeah. if you're going to pick up multiple hobbies, kind of think about like what is the most important thing to you what is something that you maybe want to just do occasionally and then what is something you kind of just want to try but you know that it's not going to be a long-term thing also you know what's a good thing what's one thing that you can only do now at this current age and means you're at like to be honest that's why i think volleyball i'm like i'm not my body's not getting any younger (laughs) my body's only getting older i can sew when i'm 50 but i can't play sports (laughs) when i'm like 50 you know what i mean What's stopping you? <laughs> Actually, I hope I can still play sports when I'm 50. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my body is only as fit as it is now, which is why I'm putting so much time more on the fitness hobbies. Mm, yeah. yeah, that is a good tip. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's like bigger picture thinking. But yeah. this is a problem when you have too many hobbies. Yes, 100%. But I guess a good problem. I don't know. The flip side of not having hobbies, there's no good yeah. or bad. It's just different, right? Yeah. We experience different problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you done to nourish nourish your creative self in your adulthood? Are there kind of any strategies that you have used to do that? Uh, yes. I think because I, uh, I guess because I'm not in a creative output driven job, mm. obviously every day when I'm working, I'm more like problem solving at work, but I wouldn't call it. I'm not doing creative output work. So I feel like I definitely need to nourish my creative self because when I don't nourish my creative self, I feel like unfulfilled. Yeah. Or I feel not motivated. I just feel like a slob. <laughs> if I don't yeah. work on my hobbies, I I just feel like my life isn't complete. Mm. So I definitely have like do a lot of things to nourish my creative self. And one of the biggest things that I've done is doing classes or tutorials or watching like YouTube videos. So I've done quite a few workshops and courses during my time. Like I've done a coloring in pencils class before, like in-person class. Um, they're really good, by the way. I think like... What, what is that? Coloring pencils? Class? Oh, it's like, you know, drawing, like, yeah. but with like color pencils. Oh, like, cool, throw, cool, cool. Yeah, like yeah, drawings yeah. with color pencils. Um, I've done a ceramics course that was like, I think eight weeks or something in Marrickville. I've done one workshop for flower arrangement. So actually, like Wendy said, paying money to do things that you think you might be interested in is like so valuable because yeah. you learn skills that you can take out and continue doing it yourself. During lockdown, I did a lot of video tutorials mm. on Skillshare. So I did like a, vi- a video editing course. Oh, cool. Just learning to use Adobe um, Premiere. Premiere. Yeah. Premiere Pro. Um, I did an embroidery 
class. I did a photography Skillshare class. I learned to like weave on YouTube. And then also another thing that really helped me nourish my creative self is actually creating trace makes the Instagram for sewing mm. because I think that actually really helped me discover who my creative self is or like makes it made me like invest more time yeah in being creative because mm-hmm. I had an Instagram that I was like posting projects onto like an I, outlet right? an outlet yeah. yeah it was an outlet to express my creativity and share it with the world and like also like the community building was one aspect that I did not think would come mm. out of it. Yeah. I just created it because I wanted to share my sewing projects with people. But then I grew a community and I was able to follow other sewing, sewing people and like see what they were making mm. and then get inspiration from them. So I think that's one thing that you can do to create, to nourish your creative self is like connect with other people yeah. who are also like interested. Like a community. Yeah. So you can learn from them and get inspiration from them as well. And then the last thing I wrote was, uh, I guess, traveling and seeking inspiration outside from the outside world yeah. is also a form of nourishing your creative self and like giving your si- time to like play mm. and just like have fun yeah yeah i'm like the opposite of you really i feel like this episode not that i'm having a crisis but <laughs> <laughs> i think because my work is just so creative yeah outside of work i don't go and seek creativity as much as you do yeah. to to the depth that you do yeah like the time that you invest in watching stuff and trying to, to learn a new skill, I'm constantly learning or picking up new skills at work. Yes. So when like new features are released on like Figma, you know, figuring out like how does that impact my hard skill set? Mm-hmm. And I think because my job is inherently creative, I don't make much time for, I guess, seeking more inspiration outside mm-hmm. of work. But on top of that, it's also because I freelance. Yes. So I freelance on and off a lot of the time. And I think maybe I accept projects when I feel like I need like a bit of an outlet yeah. to be creative, but it's really weird because I actually don't enjoy freelancing that much. <laughs> I actually don't know why I do it, yeah. but I think it's just like to challenge myself yeah. to try and exercise all the creative juices that I currently have, but also making sure that I still have my creative practice like intact in yes. a way. And it's very different from the work that I do at my nine to five, which is product design, whereas freelancing is more like brand. Yeah. But I feel like, I guess, I do miss creating just for the fun of it. Mm. I used to do that a lot, especially during, like, COVID. Like, we we were just painting and we used to have, like, you know, some nights with our friends where we were just painting at home, which was really, really nice. But I feel like now I don't really make much time for that. I guess I'm, like, so busy with just work and life stuff, like living alone or living with my partner. We have to. But do you realise, does it have a negative impact on you that you don't have time to nourish those personal creative things or or does it like not matter because you're being creative at work so you're already getting your creative cup is being filled yeah I don't think it's um my creative cup is being filled the way that I want it to be filled though at work like I kind of like have a brief and I kind of work within the bounds of the brief but I never kind of like go outside of that and just kind of look at something because I'm interested Mm. in it or I just feel inspired by it you know and so I think I'm like restricting my creativity but I do want to kind of go back to like, you know, when you in uni, when I did like my course, I was constantly looking for sources Ooh, of inspiration. Like, watch, like making, doing projects when you have assignments yeah. and you're like trying to be more creative. Yeah. Because yeah. it's limitless, right? Yeah. You can create whatever you want. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that realistic. It's almost like the world is your oyster and you can just do anything that you want. And I was doing things like mark making. I think one project I like put like soap and food coloring 
in uh, a bowl and then, you know, you blow bubbles into it and you just put paper over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was using, fun. like, <laughs> tactics like that. Like, I was very, very into using handmade generated stuff yeah. to create the visuals for my work. Mm. And that was partially because I can't draw for shit. Yeah. But, you know, like, I think I miss that part of mm. my design practice. Yeah. So I do, I think, in hindsight, kind of off the back of this episode, I do want to try and invest more time into just looking for inspiration or kind of seeking that feeling again. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's even like what helps me is watching artists on YouTube. Mm. I don't know. Like I, I watch a lot of artists do work on YouTube, like artists' vlogs and things like that. I'm not an artist myself, but then I just like watching people illustrate and things like that because that gives me inspiration and motivation to like also do it myself. Like even when I don't have time to do drawings, I just like watching people draw. It's a bit weird. Because you, you but feel yeah. inspired by yeah, it, right? Yeah. So it is an investment of like your time yeah. to just watch or expose yourself. Yeah, to it, yeah exposing yourself to ideas, that yeah. things that you could do and write down. Like I have a, a like a notebook of like where I just jot down ideas of things mm. that I could do in the future. Um, but on that, like how do you get yourself out of a creative slump? Or when you're uninspired. Good question. Yeah. I think it's like what I said before. I think it's like setting aside time and being intentional with blocking out that time just to play. Mm-mm. I really like the word play because I think it t- kind of takes the pressure off like having to create something amazing or beautiful. Yeah. I think it's just if you just experiment or just try your hand at something new and if the end product is not like what you expected it to be, at least you went on the journey of you know, playing and being creative and making. Yeah, I like. I really like the word play. Like, and I think I actually rediscovered playing when I was overseas. Mm. Like, this is a bit of a tangent, but like, we went to Takayama, and they probably twenty minutes from the city. It there's a place called Hida Village, a folk village. Mm. So it's like a folk village where they kept the old homes and things like that. You can walk a loop, and it's this really beautiful village where you can see, I think, how they lived in the olden days. And when you first go in, there's this area that had, like, games that they used to play in the olden days. So, like, the spinning tops. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you tie the rope around and you spin the tops. Yeah. And those things, like, the stilts that you you walk on. <laughs> I remember seeing a video. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, honestly, we had so much fun. Like, I yeah. did not expect to go there and just, like, play these random childhood, like, child, child games. games. Yeah. And, like, have so much fun. Like, we spent ages just trying to, like, learn to do the spinning top and yeah. like like race each other like who could spin the longest yeah. and then trying to learn to do the stilts and then there was like a building blocks thing but I was doing that and I actually full had the epiphany I was like whoa I haven't played in a long time mm-hmm. like that was the first time I felt that I was like playing yeah. you know just letting yourself go and just enjoying yeah. the moment and kind of having no expectations and like losing of track of time like yeah. honestly we spent I don't even know how long we spent like, just <laughs> trying to work out this spinning top thing it was so fun yeah. and like I think it reminded me that when you go into adulthood, like, you really don't play. Yeah. yeah. I think I've become so uptight because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not boring, but I'm just like, oh, I just have so much stuff to do. Yeah. And it's stuff that's not, like, it's just life admin stuff. Yeah. But if you kind of set aside time to play, I feel like you're not making excuses for yourself to prioritise, like, shittier stuff in your life, yeah. you know? Like, there's always time to do that other stuff. Yes. Like, it's not as urgent as you think it would be yeah exactly or like surrounding yourself with people who are like really into playing as well i think that's good especially for like me who sometimes can be uptight it's good to surround myself with like really silly friends who like yeah you can actually play and like for me i realized it was another like it's like a mindfulness activity because like you're fully in the moment when you're playing it's like Mm. playing sports as well yeah like you're in the moment so like yeah i just realized the importance of it um yeah, sorry, that was tangent. <laughs> no, that's, I feel yeah. like that was such a good tangent because I'm thinking about it now and I'm just like, 
I don't have fun doing anything <laughs> like everything that yeah. I do is yeah. to meet like a life admin objective mm, yes you know and I just feel like doing this episode and answering these questions I was like my excuse is because my job is creative I don't have to really have why well, I don't feel the pressure to have another outlet mm. to play yeah or just do random shit yes you know and this is making me realize that like even if you just like do something really small like playing playstation for example yeah. i'm not a gamer yeah but playing playstation even though i'm so bad at it is that feeling of losing sense of time yeah yeah so i can be a little bit more relaxed wow, that's, a, that's a great realization <laughs> we love growth <laughs> that's the whole point of like you know us having these chats i think it's like also being conscious of the activities or the topics that we want to talk about and what we learn from it, not just like for you guys, but it's also for ourselves. Yeah. I think on the, I guess the topic of play, it kind of leads right like well into the topic of flow, Mm. which is, I guess the creative flow state. I don't know. Do you want to explain kind of what flow is and how you get yourself into a flow state? It's what you've kind of been saying this whole time. Flow is like when you just have, it feels like an endless amount of time to spend it however you like and you kind of get into this mindset of just seeking and sourcing inspiration, creating, or like you just feel like you're so in the zone and you know that you're going to create something great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like I remember studying flow when I was in doing psychology and someone saying it's a concept of like literally being in the zone and you're fully present, you're fully immersed, you're undisrupted. Yeah. And it's like when you're completely absorbed in a task that's challenging but doable. So you're like continually mm. like flowing. You're doing things and you're doing things and you're doing things. And it's like time, time just like you just don't know what time is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there, how do you get into flow state? What we do at work is we prioritize flow time. So we actually have flow time in the diary. So this is undisturbed time to do work. And for me in my role, it's to create designs or create prototypes with no distractions like meetings. And that just allows me to kind of like go on the journey of sourcing inspiration, finding references, doing some desktop research without the pressure of like, Oh, like at 1 p.m. I've got a meeting. And so I've got to kind of get out of that mindset. And I think that's a really important thing. It's like when you're in flow state, you have no distractions or you don't have like an obligation to be somewhere at a certain time. The concept of flow is universally understood at work. And I think that makes flow a lot easier in a work sense. Yes. Yeah. But I guess like in a personal sense, I'm feeling very uninspired right now. (laughs) But I think it's just like, Maybe just surfing the web. Yeah. And I'm a very visual person. So often that means just looking on like Pinterest, Pinterest yeah. for example, or Instagram and just constantly like scrolling my explore page maybe with no expectation of like, oh, I need to build something. Yeah. 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 How about you? Um, I think, yeah, I think it's uninterrupted time. I tend to like want to dedicate a day, like a Sunday afternoon where I have nothing on. Mm. Then I was like, get myself into the mood to do like art or something like that. And that kind of tends to be like, make myself a nice drink, like a matcha and then set my table and then put some mood music on. (laughs) And then literally like, just like shut myself in the room. And then I just start doing whatever I want. If it's drawing at the time, then like just drawing and Mm. like putting music on and just enjoying myself. Or if it's sewing, I always like put a silly like TV show on and I can just like, so I have background yeah. music so it's like setting the environment as well is important for me because sometimes I feel like I can't do creative things when like my desk is messy yeah or when so I've got like something 
on at night. I, yeah. feel like I can't get my headspace into doing something creative because I'm like, oh, it's going to get interrupted. Yeah. So there's only like certain, I need to like set the environment. Light a candle, you know? Yeah. Or like, you know, for me, I've got my like colored light bulbs yes. at home. Like, you know, turning on mood lighting, yeah. <laughs> putting some music in the lounge room. And yes. just like, yeah. Just I also have a room. separate table. For sewing? For sewing. But nice. also I tend to do my creative stuff on that table. Oh, like, cool. It helps me like change my mindset from work to play or work oh, to creative. So yeah. like if I'm wanting to like paint or draw, I tend to sit on my sewing table because mm. it's just like, I don't know. It's like a different mindset. I actually do the same thing. I don't sit at my uh, desk yeah. at home. I sit at the dining table. Yeah, exactly. And I just have like a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I know that that's like sign- signaling to myself that I'm just like scrolling through the internet yes. and not like having no to pressure. do work. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you think like investing in your creative self has benefited you? Um, I think it's made me a more interesting person. I know we said hobbies it's okay not to have hobbies but to be honest it does make you a little bit more interesting to have conversations with i feel like you can relate to different types of people depending on the hobby that you have yeah like a bit more threads to talk to people about um i think everyone has hobbies like you said they just don't might not classify them as hobbies recognize them as yeah um obviously relaxation it really helps me be present and mindful and in the moment when i have when i'm doing something creative it decreases my screen time, which is a, oh, very, a so positive. Important. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise I'll be just spending all day just scrolling on my phone. Yeah, or on my laptop. But yeah, those are, I think those are my main things. That, and then also like I guess learning new skills and sparking new ways of thinking is another benefit from it. What about you? Yeah, I think I definitely agree with the decreases screen time. I I think I look for hobbies that don't require me to use my laptop or my phone mm-hmm. in any way. Something that is also um, I guess like tactile or like I produce something that I'm really proud mm. of at the end, like that feeling of like, oh, I'm really proud of like what I've created, but I haven't like really created it for anything or anyone yeah. but myself. That's like kind of helped with just like me being proud of myself, um, but also just for my overall mental like well-being, you know. Like I said before, I'm, I think I'm a very type A uptight person now, even more because you know, I've got my own place and I know that I've got like a million things yeah. to do. Um, and my life isn't just like, oh, socializing and that's yeah. it. There's a lot of responsibilities that I have to carry out now. And I think tapping into my creative self allows me just to kind of let go of mm. all those things, even just momentarily. Yes. Yeah. I guess one thing that I wanted to kind of ask was like, how do you know when it's time to let a hobby die? Like let go of it or let it kind of fizzle out because it's no longer serving you. That's a hard question. I don't know. Like, how about you? Like, for Finn, for example, have you let that go? Yeah, I think so. I think because it started to feel like a chore. Yeah. And I didn't get enjoyment out of making anymore. Yeah. I think those are the two signs for me. If it starts to feel like an obligation rather than a choice, and I, like Marie Connor says, it doesn't spark joy anymore, mm. then I'm like, okay, I think it's time to let it go or put it to rest. And then if I really wanted to go back to it, I can invest time in it again. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's also like considering whether you're doing it for you or other people. Mm. I'm just now thinking about sports, for example. Like I do have th- moments where I'm thinking, am I playing volleyball or basketball because I want to and it's serving me or is it because I'm playing it because everybody else is playing it and I'm getting FOMO from not playing. 
So I think it's really like having an honest conversation with yourself and going, why am I doing this? Especially when it's a hobby that involves other people. Yeah. Like, am I doing it for me? Or is it because there's like influence from other people? Yeah. Or you're doing it for an external perception. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I do sports. Like, that's a cool thing to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Such an important question. I think I have had the same question about volleyball. And I think it's like, it takes a lot of courage when it's like a shared hobby to say like, oh no, I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm going to prioritize something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like Oztag is a good example. Oh yeah. hundred percent. When we were playing Oztag, I got to the point where I was dreading going to Oztag. Like, oh my God. Like I hate, this is years ago. Like I don't know how long you, like eight years ago that we were playing Oztag, right? Like it got to the point where like after before every game I'll get so anxious, like sick to my stomach, like I don't want to play. That's probably a sign that you shouldn't be playing anymore. Yeah. I think it was also because it, we were fresh out of high school. We wanted to keep in touch with our friends. Like, you know, that's the peak of your social life. Yeah. And so you're not doing things for yourself necessarily. Like you're kind of doing it because socially it's what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good conversation. I feel like if anyone out there, you know, like hit us up on your thoughts about this topic. Like, do you have hobbies? Do you feel like it's okay to have a hobby or not? Or yeah. do you struggle with all this as well? Like, is it just us? <laughs> I'm sure it's not. But like, if you have tips on how to balance all of this, all of this yeah. <laughs> like how do you like insert play into your everyday life? I think send it through. Like yeah. that would help us. I think we need that help. <laughs> well, on to dinner table questions. The first is, what is one bad habit that you want to change? Um, I think at the moment, which is relevant to me, it's just like lying in bed and scrolling on my phone nice. is what I find that I've been doing. The last, since I've gotten back to Japan, I'm just like... Do you think you're mourning the, the death? Of, I actually oh, think so. Not the death of your trip, but like the no, end of your actually, trip. No, actually, I think yeah, I'm mourning I was the, same. the loss of this reality that I was in that yeah. it no longer exists. Yeah. Which was like me living the best time of my having the best time of my life, traveling and just like no having the freedom yeah. to do whatever you want. And now I'm like, I'm paralyzed by everything that I need to do. Like all I can manage to do is like lie in bed and scroll. Like post holiday blues. I'll right? wake up and just scroll for like two hours before I get out of bed. Really? Like literally. And then I'm like, ew, that was disgusting. Like I need to get up and like do something. <laughs> ew, disgusting. Ew, I feel gross. <laughs> um, yeah, what about you? Um, I think one of my goals this year was to be more introspective, mm-hmm. maybe. And I think I haven't been really good with that. Like, I, I'm almost ignoring the fact that I kind of need to have, like, an honest conversation with myself about, like, oh, like, why am I doing certain things in my life? Why am I piling mm-hmm. so much onto my plate? Or, like, why do I get frustrated at certain situations? And I think, yeah, just, I guess, working on myself um, and not kind of shying away from that conversation that I need to have with myself, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, I don't know if that's defined as a bad habit, but it's something that I want to work on. Avoiding. Yeah. It's avoiding. I, it's, I think it's avoidance. Yeah. yeah. And I'm always just like, oh, I have so much stuff that I need to do. Like, I don't have time to work myself, yeah. you know? Like, I have. there's nothing wrong with my life. It's just I'm so busy, but, like, for what reason? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Making more time to think about those things. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, the next question is, what has been your favorite snack lately? Oof. Like work keeps buying like Red Rock Deli chips, Ooh. like the small packets. Oh, that's been my like yep. thing lately. Like which I think, flavor? Um, I really like uh, it's basic but sweet chili at the moment. Okay. Yeah. How about you? 
Um, my favorite snack lately. I've been eating a lot of fruit, but that's kind of normal. But um, Japanese snacks, <laughs> of course. <laughs> What's one thing that you found that was like? Oh, okay. So actually, shout out to um Mike who took both of us around yes. in Japan when On we were in, in separate occasion when we were in Japan. So he um. Listen to his episode, actually. We have an episode with Mike Yee on our season two. Um, what's it titled? Um, it was about advocacy. So it was a part of our AAP at our table um, collaboration. Yes. Um, and I think his episode was one of the last ones that we did. Yes. In the series. Yeah. So he took Gavin, my partner, and I to this bougie 7-Eleven in Yokohama. Anyways, and he introduced us to this milk candy that he always eats. And he, like, it stops him from, like, snacking after the gym. Like, he just has one of those milk candies. Ooh. And it was, like, so yummy. And I don't know, Mike, if you're listening to this, but, like, we found, well, our friend Ruby went to a grocery store and found it in, like, Burwood. And then she just recently bought me three packets of, like, oh, different flavors of the yeah. milk candy. So that's my current, like, What is it called, snack. do you know? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like UHT or something. UHT. I don't know. Like I feel like that's the logo, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. But it's like this milk candy, and they do like a salt. I think like a salt vanilla flavor or a salt milk flavor, and they do like a matcha red bean flavor, and they put like oh, a yum. strawberry cream and an orange chocolate. Like, mm. um, yeah. And then also when you guys went to Japan, you guys introduced us to Tough Gummy. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Actually, that's probably one of my favorite snacks right now. Tough Gummy. Tough Gummy. Yeah. Yeah. Tough yeah. Gummy is so good. It's like gummy that just lasts longer. Yeah. But it's just like... And very like, chewy. Yeah, like, like the, the texture is yeah. so satisfying. Yeah. 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 Last question. What is one favorite summer memory you have that you want to share oh. with us? So go, let's go back to 2020, like beginning of 2020. Okay. We went to Tracy, me, and our friend Ruby. We went to Fours Festival. I completely forgot about that. Oh my god, that was like it was like what first day of the year. We decided to go to Fours Festival in Perth for some random reason, <laughs> but it was the most wholesome trip. And I had just come back from like overseas, um, an overseas trip with my family in Vietnam, and I like two days later flew out. Again. Oh, I do remember that. Yes. Oh my god, it was the best trip. We went to like the festival. We dressed up and we dressed up in these like fruit costumes, and we got so many compliments. We were but, like, like the center of attention <laughs> in that <laughs> festival, and it was also so chill. Like I think the vibe was very. Different. We met Pink Sweats. Oh yeah, that too. Like oh, but then also like apart from that, we just like lived. Like in Fremantle, we went to so many beaches, watched the sunset. Oh God, it was wow. really wholesome. That was like summer living. Yeah. Like if there was like, you know, you imagine when you watch like a coming of aged teen, yes. teen movie and, and they the have the beach. summer holiday. Yeah. <laughs> they have the summer holiday. That was us. Yeah. That was literally us. Yeah. Like riding. Did we ride a bike? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> we, went, we felt like we were like at the beach. And like, like riding in the board. Like, I felt like we were sun kissed all the time yeah. and glowing. The wind was in our hair. Like it was oh, the best time. It was, it was so like blissful. Good. And yeah. also we had no idea COVID was gonna hit us. Yeah, it was right before COVID. Yeah. And I think that's what made also, it. Also the bushfires were happening at that time and we, we happened to escape because we were in oh, Perth. Shit. Yeah. Bushfires season and COVID was yeah. like about to hit and we were just living this blissful like pocket of time yeah yeah and it was, it was almost like we were just like in another reality wow that is that would be my favorite too but i didn't think <laughs> about that <laughs> yeah i shared summer memory oh yeah. that's cute well i was gonna say another shared one is the first summer after we finished our hsc oh yeah i don't no, know if i you're... think i hit rock bottom that summer. oh shit sorry <laughs> 
what? Because I remember I got like fined. I lost my license. Oh, you're so maybe before that. But we went to Melbourne and stuff like that. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was anyway. It wasn't what we did, but it was like the freedom you feel after you finish your HSC and you, yeah. after you finish year twelve and you have no school, you're not doing anything. Yeah, there's no expectation. That feeling is like. Just like a special, special time for like yeah. for me, and it was like you don't get that feeling ever. It, was like, it felt like such a fleeting before like, like uni results get announced, and you're like literally every day you just do nothing. Yeah, like you just go to the beach or went to the beach, yeah. like went to Melbourne. We just started eating out. Like I thought that time was also really fun because yes. like people were also like getting their license at that time. Yeah, that was like, also another coming so of age change. moment. Coming of age moment, yeah. you know. I feel like you're really growing up, but not really. Yeah. yeah. Like a nostalgic time, I yes, think, that yes, I think that of. Um, but yeah. <sighs> All right, well, that wraps up our episode. Hopefully you enjoyed that one. It was a bit more like of a chatty one, but um, hope you got to know us a little bit better and our hobbies and hopefully your hobby questions were answered or we gave you some ideas, yes. some considerations if you – don't see yourself as a hobbyist. And for those who made it this far into the episode, thank you. And we have a very special discount code for you all. We have 10% off Class Bento. So you can plug in our code into Class Bento and get 10% off any workshop or class. So the code is capital C B E N T O S O T 23. So all those letters are in capital. For those who don't know, Class Bento is Australia's favorite place for local experiences with over 9,000 workshops to choose from. So there's a bunch of creative workshops and well-being activities, including arts, craft, cocktail and cooking experiences that you can explore. I've personally done a few Class Bento classes before. I did one on floristry and it's something that really helped me spark my creative interest in that space. So if you're looking for a new hobby or you want to look for a fun activity to do with a friend or a group, check out Class Bento and definitely use our 10% discount code. And let us know if you use it. We'll be very interested to know what you use it for. And a bonus, with every booking, Class Bento actually donates to Dementia Australia. So you're also doing a great deed there. But yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in and see you next time. Bye. Bye.